0: Hey, it's Alan. Today's show contains descriptions of graphic violence that may be upsetting to some listeners. You might want to sit this one out.
1: You're listening to Photo Shelter's Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Sarah Jacobs.
0: And I'm Alan Murabayashi. Sarah, when I was a teenager, I turned on the TV on a Sunday and I was watching public access cable when that was a thing. And uh, there was this guy on like this cheesy set talking about, uh, I think it's talking about like Emergency EMTs or paramedics or something. And he goes, let's, let's look at this clip. And this clip comes on of this businessman at a podium and he's reading a will. Um, and suddenly he pulls out a gun from like a manila, manila envelope and people are like, no, no, no. And he takes the gun and he, he shoots himself. Wow. And. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a Sunday morning. I thought I was gonna, hey, let's watch some cartoons. And I see yeah. this. I was like, whoa, yeah. And you just see, like, I remember this, is- this very vividly. Blood just coming out of like his face after he shot himself. Mm-hmm. And so that that image stuck with me in a very significant way for years and years and years. And actually, because of that scenario, even today. When, for example, an athlete has sort of like a catastrophic injury, like, oh, the, his ankle twisted in a very unnatural way. I never watch those mm. videos and I never look at those photos in part because I realized from that cable show that you can never unsee an image once you've seen it. So when these journalists have had their heads sawed off by these militants and, and or, or Las Vegas gun stuff like I just don't want to look we recently came across this article in the verge written by Casey Newton that talked about Facebook moderators Mm -hmm. who have to look at the worst of the worst that people are posting every day so something like two billion people use Facebook on a regular basis everyone's posting everything from their baby photos to the most vile uh images and videos ever. And it it brought up this idea of, can viewing a photo be hazardous to your health? And in this one little office in Arizona where the content moderators, who aren't full-time Facebook employees, sit, some of the stories that they talked about were these moderators having PTSD or secondary PTSD symptoms because they were looking at this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it just really made me think about the impact that, that these visuals have on our brain. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to this, this question of can viewing photos be hazardous to your health?
1: Yeah. I mean, they were having, they're having panic attacks in the middle of the work day, right? Like having to go take bathroom breaks, which are highly monitored. Um, apparently. And yeah.
0: Absurd conditions. First of all, like right. you, you can't use the bathroom during your mental health time. Right. Just the craziest stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. they're getting paid $15 an hour, which I believe is like $5 more than the minimum wage in Arizona.
0: Yeah. And Something annualized, like it's $28,000 a year. It's not,
1: it's, so, it's not a lot of money. Yeah.
0: So it kind of reminded me of the discussions that we've had throughout the history of photojournalism about should newspapers publish war photos? Hmm. Should we show the carnage of war so that people understand the real cost of war? And during the first Iraq war in the 90s, uh, Kenneth Jarecki, who's a very well-known photojournalist, took a photo of an Iraqi soldier burnt to a crisp in a tank. And he took the photo, and no outlets at the time would publish it. Because it's just, you know, it's a, literally a guy turned into, To charcoal, Um, and we have these conversations over and over again about when is it appropriate to show these images. If we showed a photo of a kid that had been shredded by a machine gun, would we have common sense gun laws in 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 place now? And the 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 article from the Verge kind of made it clear to me that some people can handle it and some people can't. And I don't mean that in like a oh you can't you can't handle it right. our levels of resilience to seeing very violent imagery or having a violent episode in our, in our life, it varies from person to person. So it's really hard to make a blanket statement to say that this photo will actually be good for society. It'll cause us to think like the, um, the refugees, the three year old boy who drowned. There was a very famous photo a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, should that be published? Well, you know, I saw it. It yeah. was a tragic photo. Yeah. It it didn't make me go crazy. It didn't. It didn't keep me up at night. But I bet for some people it it did. I bet somebody who has a three year old kid probably kept them up at night.
1: Mm-hmm. It's sort of interesting to think like about these moderators um, as editors. Because before it really was only photo editors seeing, you know, graph highly graphic images like this coming in, you know, from, from photojournalists. And now it's being put in the hands of, yeah, just regular everyday people that need to make some money.
0: Yeah. And I think that even for the trained photojournalists, they're not seeing... It, it, it would be pretty rare for a photojournalist to capture a murder happening. Mm. Um, so one of the videos that yeah. they mentioned in the article was, um, there, was a, there was a new employee that was going to a training um, and she said she walked in the room and she saw a guy being stabbed to death. Like multiple assailants coming up to the guy and stabbing the guy to death and she had to determine whether that was a violation of the policy or not. Right. Which is crazy. Yeah. You know, as uh, photo editors might see the aftermath which is still which is still nuts you know to see like a body just riddled with with holes but Mm -hmm. the other question that that i had was does seeing the moving image does it have more impact than just seeing a still is there something about the moving image that makes it seem more real or is that also context specific have you I seen know. any have you seen any like really disturbing images that made you like think
1: um i mean no probably only like from movies you know
0: yeah i i that, watched yeah. horror movies i watched every horror movie as a kid <laughs> and none of that stuff ever bothered me whatsoever and then
1: yeah because it's so kitschy right like yeah or you just I mean, know it's fake you know right it's fake. yeah you know it's fake that's that's super important
0: but the first time you see like a hand that's been chopped off in a, in a like a real photojournalist mm-hmm. photo or when I've come across even, you know, when I'm walking out in the woods and I see like a, a dead animal, it gives me the willies a little bit, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. There's something about seeing death in real life or on video for me that that. That is sort of disturbing.
1: Mm-hmm. I get, like I wonder if some of the moderators are just becoming more desensitized.
0: They're they're by certainly being
1: repeated over and over again. Yeah. This I'm, type I'm of stuff.
0: sure. I'm sure that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um but they they also said that some of the moderators were becoming radicalized because of this oh,
1: stuff. Oh, that's they were. right. Yeah, Same. it mentioned yeah, it mentioned that like some of them were starting to doubt that 9/11, you know, was done by terrorists and
0: that the Holocaust had happened, like just crazy yeah, stuff. Yeah.
1: Which I I really wanted to know what type of content was behind those like why they were being converted. Like are people recording videos and posting them on Facebook like conspiracy theory videos, I guess? I, I Probably. guess they have
0: to watch it in order to understand the context, in order to understand right. whether it should be allowed or disallowed. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, there 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 have been cases. Nick Ut's photo from Vietnam of of the napalm girl. Yeah, I
1: was I, I was just thinking of her.
0: Right. So yeah. that was banned from Facebook for a while until they figured oh, it's actually a Pulitzer Prize winning photo mm. that changed the course of the war.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. So
0: so you feel for the for the content moderator who's. 25 years old, right out of college has never seen that photo before. Doesn't understand the context and just sees a naked girl crying, running down the street thinking that is the worst photo I've ever seen. Yeah. It's gotta be one of the toughest jobs in the world.
1: A hundred percent.
0: We talked many years ago on our first uh, iteration of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a time when Eric Gardner, who was a, a black man living in Staten Island um, was approached by the police. There was a scuffle about him selling Lucys, which are loose cigarettes. Uh, a policeman got behind him and choked him. He complained about not being able to breathe. Um, they got him down to the ground and he ended up dying in a, and and you brought this up uh, while we were kind of uh, discussing notes for for the show. Do, do you remember do you remember that that recording?
1: Yeah, absolutely i I remember it vividly. Yeah, and I remember his voice. Absolutely.
0: He So he, Eric Garner was the guy who said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and, and became sort of a, a rallying cry for police brutality. Um, yeah. I just remember watching that video, and there's nothing... It's a violent video, but there's no blood, there's no knives, there's no guns, there's no tasers. Mm-hmm. But you see human suffering in a way that's... That's really disturbing mm-hmm. you know he's he, he he's a big guy and yet he's surrounded by like four or five cops who drag him to the ground and he's pleading what ended up being pleading for his life mm-hmm. and and again it's just like one of these things that i can't i can't unsee anymore
1: yeah i think there's like only a few number of those for for me throughout my life i mean and it's weird like of course one of them would be nine eleven, right yep Um, but that didn't even show actual human remains like, but you knew that pain was happening. Yeah.
0: It's interesting in, uh, the smartphone generation that everyone can document everything. So obviously people have documented their suicides. Mm -hmm. Um, there's the whole Philando Castile, uh, episode from a few years ago where the guy was shot in his car and his girlfriend was Facebook living it. So we're seeing more and more. We're sort of, I, I wouldn't say we're being saturated with this stuff, but there certainly is access to th- these devastating videos that would only be found on underground VHS tapes, you know, back in the day. But now mm-hmm. with the simple Google search, we can see people being beheaded. We can see people being shot, stabbed, killed in street fights and whatnot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it just it it makes me a little sad that there's such easy access to this stuff, and that there's not we're just not trained as humans to to understand how to process this level of visual information.
1: Mm-hmm. It uh, reading the Verge article and about the workers that have to be witnessing this stuff all the time really made me think like why do I have Facebook? Like, what? <laughs> what is the point? Like, we all should be deleting this. Um, but then what you just said about, you know, those videos existing somewhere online, like not just Facebook, like they would exist somewhere and it, that wouldn't like stop the violence. But then maybe the moderators wouldn't have to have these terrible jobs. Like, uh, I don't know.
0: So what? what do you think about this notion of, should should the general public and should the news media in general be publishing certain types of photos to illustrate the horrors of war or the horrors of gun violence or, or whatnot? Or do they really have to contextualize the usage? The New York Times ran into something recently where they published photos of a dead body in Africa in in a shooting there. And they were criticized for sort of cavalierly showing brown and black bodies dead bodies, whereas they seem to have more stringent rules for dead bodies in the in the states. And so kind of going back to this original question, Mm. are there circumstances where you think there is a news reason to show violence?
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely do think there's a news reason to show violence that's going on that's contextualized and explained. Um, Another example from my life that still is like kind of burned into my memory is um, prisoners of war in the Iraq war where they were being put on leashes um, by the U.S. soldiers. I mean, that changed the way that I viewed war um, and U.S. troops. In general,
0: (laughs) this is the Abu Ghraib
1: prison. Um, Thank you, thank you. Yes, Um, yeah. I was 15 when those images came out. Like that was very dramatic, um, and I think important important for me and the public to see to expose truth.
0: One of the ongoing criticisms of uh, photojournalism contests, and I'm thinking kind of specifically of World Press Photo is the glamorization of images of violence. So with few exceptions, a lot of the images that are in the final selection for photo of the year are these pretty violent images, you know, guy on fire, you know, people suffering uh, immensely, uh, victims of sexual assault uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and whatnot. And it's a weird thing to be giving a prize to that type of photo Mm. as a, I mean it is. It ends up being a celebration of of photojournalism under human suffering. Um, and so is it raising awareness because it is a contest that gets republished and syndicated in, in other areas or is it exploitation? Or is it a little bit of both? I mean I
1: Yeah. I'd probably argue Probably a little bit of both. I'd argue yeah, maybe a little bit of both, for sure. Um because it does educate yeah, it does educate the general public that's looking at these photo contest winners um, about specific events that might not have come across their radar or their, their feeds um, otherwise.
0: You you mentioned something earlier talking about becoming desensitized to some of these images. And I think in part, that's one of my fears of kind of encountering these images over and over again, and probably in the same way that an emergency room doctor gets desensitized to, to like car crashes because they're encountering it with mm. some regularity. Yeah, I don't know that for me personally that I ever want to be in the situation where an image of violence can't shock me anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Like that—that
0: that, that would be such like a terrible, cynical world to live in, where a child who's been shot to death with a automatic gun that you don't feel anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Another, I guess, note about the images that have really made an impact on you and I. Like we were young. So that's, I mean, and they made an impact on us for the rest of our lives, right? So the images that are coming out now that, you know, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, you know, however teens are seeing it, um, hopefully it's making a difference and an impact on them and about what matters to them. Yeah,
0: or maybe we should try harder to to not allow young people Kids to see those types of images, you know, it just mm. can't be good for <laughs> like, could, could, I could if I could go back in time and not see that photo of the guy committing suicide yeah. as a teenager, I wish I could.
1: You wish you could. Yeah. I mean, it
0: yeah. doesn't, I, mean, I wouldn't say that it fair. haunts me, but when I think about it, it's, it's like a really disturbing mm-hmm. image. And, and, and I also think that it, that it sets up a situation, depending on like who you are and what sort of personality that you have, where you become sort of addicted to like seeking out that in the same way that that like a photojournalist like a war photographer just can't get off of that high they have to be in these high risk high adrenaline situa- situations mm-hmm. um, to feel like any value out of their life and I just you know I just think like to get a thrill off of these types of images or to to feel any emotion whatsoever is a very very dangerous place to go so, for
1: you personally yeah for me personally and yeah. for,
0: I'm sure for like a lot of people
1: yeah. yeah 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 I wouldn't want to be there, but I think their jobs are immensely important, though, Renaud?
0: The well, are we talking about the moderators again? Sorry, like the Facebook moderators. No, 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 the, the photojournalists uh, that the you fo-
1: mentioned that might like get a get a quote unquote thrill from you know documenting these type of events I, and I human see suffering.
0: Photojournalists war photographers who have been out there year after year after year after year, I see some of them make specific decisions in their lives to say, I have a family now. I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I see other people that go from a series of broken relationships and are still out in the field mm-hmm. documenting. And I guess, you know, part of me is like, God bless them. Like somebody's got to go out there and, and take these photos. You know, Syria, for example, like yeah. very little coverage coming out of Syria now because it's so dangerous and the West seemingly doesn't really care anymore. And there's a lot of places, conflict areas in in uh, Africa that are still like that. hmm but at the same time, it sort of makes me a little sad for them, you know, that that they have to do that for years and years and years.
1: I know, but that's, I mean, that's their choice. And yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, if that's what makes them happy and they believe that they're working towards, you know, a bigger goal of revealing the truth and like what's going on, then I think more, t- I personally think more power to them and all of their broken relationships.
0: Well, we're <laughs> never going to run out of disturbing photos and videos
1: so. oh great, great note to end <laughs> and on that note <laughs> great note to end on
0: now we'd, we'd love to hear uh feedback from you guys
1: yeah about what, what of, was your first disturbing photo yeah. that you saw guys share in the comments below could,
0: could be the last disturbing photo that you saw as well so any any disturbing photo just love to understand the context around that and and the way you felt about resilience
1: no and i I think everyone should read this Verge article. Everyone who uses Facebook should read this Verge article about the moderators in the U.S. That are, and, and it, they're international. This is just the first article about the U.S. workers um, and the types of conditions, so that you don't take Facebook for granted um, and you understand like what the what some people's psyche has to go through in order for us to have a face uh, a safe feed.
0: I'll I'll end with this note. I was listening to uh the Vox Um Today Explained podcast, and the author of this article, Casey Newton, was on um, with the with the host, and he said that one of the reasons why these content moderators get paid fifteen dollars an hour, whereas the median salary at Facebook is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, is because Mark Zuckerberg believes that these positions will be automated in the future. And if you believe that a task is going to be automated through AI and whatnot, and there's debates about whether it can really ever be automated, there's a tendency to discount the value that the that the human operators doing. You know, like truck drivers are going to be all automated. So why would we ever allow them to unionize or pay them more for the work that they're doing? It's sort of a a tragic way of not valuing the toll and the cost that humans are doing to sort of protect the internet at large. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, wow. so that those of us that choose not to look at that type of content, they don't have to because somebody literally right. put their body in front of it. Right. Food for thought. PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.